Welcome, nerds and geeks, to the last episode of Goblins and Guidance. We are the Goblins, here to view Guidance. I'm Calvin, and joining me are... David. And Andrew. And we sit out to answer D&D Reddit's most pressing questions. Alright, Andrew, since you know it, what do you call a drippy goblin? Gobbling. Sheesh! Oh, gobbling, he got the drip, though. He's got the drip. He's got the drip. He's got the trap. Oh, all right, Andrew, what is our first question? Our first question. Load, please. There we go. Like you posted by user slash user. The underscore erotic underscore turtle. Is there some Ooh. sort of guide for DMs on how to make convincing cults? In game, of course, I'm not starting a cult. <laughs> I'm generally interested in just making convincing worlds, cities, guards, cults, etc. I don't know why you wouldn't want to make a cult in real life, though. Right? Sounds right. like the best idea. I like how he had to. Pr- I like how he had to give that affirmation of "I'm not doing it in real life." By the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know so- if any like books or something out there. There probably is something if you really look for it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This is my completely original idea. Okay. So yeah. there's this demon right and Mm -hmm. he can control people's minds right but one day one day a wizard comes and defeats this demon and the demon becomes this wizard's friend okay but then the wizard gets into a massive fight and then in this massive fight he creates a giant broccoli right and this is it's a magical giant broccoli and people start worshiping the giant broccoli and then then the demon, right? He takes over the giant broccoli, and then the people start worshiping the uh, the demon, and also the the wizard that made the giant broccoli. So it's it's a broccoli cult. Did you take that from Mob Psycho? Definitely. No, it's a, I said it was a completely original idea. Okay, so. no, I, I just remember there's an episode of my Psycho where there be, where like a giant broccoli happens, and I'm like, oh, this is like, like, like <laughs> a, a giant broccoli is so oddly specific. I don't watch Mob Psycho. I just know that one scene. That's why I wanted to ask. <laughs> no, yeah. no, this is an original idea. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. all right, yeah. But if you were to make it into an animation, I bet it would be the greatest three seasons ever made, and a lot of people would like it. So it would make sense to turn it into a, <laughs> to, into a campaign, right? Yeah. I, no. Yeah. I mean, if it uh, convinced thousands of viewers across the world, then it'll convince your party. I mean. I, I guess. Well, if you want a more... all theoretical, by the way. It's <laughs> all theoretical. I'm going to go like try to describe a more general idea of how to start a cult. Uh, on like a DM perspective wise, but for any like group or anything, you want to start um, small and work your way out. Uh, so for cult specifically, start with what uh, demon, such god or being do they worship? Um, such as a broccoli, right? Which is a broccoli. <laughs> what is the end goal of the cult? Like, are they trying for world domination, destruction? To gig over a country, or what is it? Yeah, maybe they just want to convince the entire world to join the broccoli religion because it provides happiness. Uh-huh. Makes sure. you smile. Uh, go from there, start with, like, how is the uh, cult, like, set up, like, management-wise? You got one guy at the top. How many, like, uh, 
senior members of the council or whatever other, and then go from there. Like, what's the sort of like order that these go for? Uh, then you want to go with like symbols for the cult, uh, color schemes like the red cloaks or the um, followers of Tiamat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the same sort of thing can be applied to like this how guards work. You start with like where do they serve, uh, what country, like who's the king or whatever. Then you go like, what are the generals or the captains, and move down to infantrymen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely. Yeah, that's good. My my first thought is like you start from the source, which is like whatever deity it is they're worshiping. Mm-hmm. So you either start with like the founder of said cult, like were they were they directly influenced by the deity, or did they? Do they just love the deity so much that they're willing to do anything, even though they were not spoken to said deity at all? You know, it, and from there you just, I don't know, you just, you just branch outward by having the originator, like, whether it be through, like, their charm or magic or promise of whatever, like, they just get more people onto their vibe, and then... You know, it just radiates outward from there. Honestly. Pretty much oh, all yeah. yeah. What Andrew said. <laughs> Our next question is from Volley Bluff. Yes, not Volley Buff. Alright. Battlecasting without Warcaster. Am I doing this right? Hello, Giga Braids. I do not have the feet Warcaster. Here's my thinking. I'll number my questions for so hopefully utmost clarity. The way they wrote this is not the utmost clarity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Grammar. <laughs> if I use a versatile weapon like a spear, can I just one use it in one hand and cast all spells using my free hand for material and somatic requirements? I want to always have the spear equipped. But just switch between one hand when casting and two hands when swinging. I'm making sure I only need one free hand to cast all types of spells. Wizard slash fighter multiclass if it matters. Uh, do you want to take this step by step or should I read the whole thing? No, let's, no, yeah, step by step. Let's just take okay. number one. Um, yeah. I, I myself don't know the exact rules on wielding weapons while spellcasting. What does... Or what is that feat? Warcaster? Where's yeah, you can even? do that. That should work. Yeah, spellcaster. I looked it up. Spellcaster only requires the use of one hand. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to pull up Warcaster to see what it actually does. You have advantage on constitution saving throws that make you that you make to maintain your concentration of a spell. You can perform the somatic components of spells even when you have weapons as an S, so plural, or a, sh- or a shield in one or both hands. When a hostile creature's movement provokes an opportunity attack from you, you can use your reaction to cast a spell at the creature rather than making an opportunity attack. The spell must have a casting time of one action and must target only that creature. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think even without it, you can still hold the spear in one hand and then cast with the other. 
Yeah, you can do that. Okay. I think I've done that before. Probably. Paladin. I mean, paladins yeah. are a little different, though, too. Yeah. Just the way their spellcasting works. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I don't. A lot of yours, I don't think, use uh, your hands. Somatic components. So going from turn to turn, this is perfectly fine. But if you were to say, use an action to do a spell and then a bonus action to attack with a weapon, that's not allowed, right? Yeah, yeah you you can't okay. you can't attack as a if you use a spell. You could only use your bonus action to attack if you have a feature that says you can, or if you use your main action to attack, and that's a bonus attack. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay, got it. But if you were to say on one turn, hold the spear in one hand, cast a spell, and then the next turn you would attack with the spear as your main action, that's that's valid. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Alright, uh, part two. After casting that spell on the same round, can I equip a shield or grab my weapon by two hands in preparation for, say, using my reaction or bonus action to attack? I'm assuming I can't because I've already used a free item interaction to pull out my arcade focus or my spell components. Assuming I start my turn without the arcade focus or spell components explicitly equipped. Okay, so as we said a second ago, you can't attack as a bonus action anyway. Well, you could, she, they're asking if they could equip the reaction. shield after casting a spell. Yeah. Um, or um, grab their weapon by two hands for like a reaction. I don't yeah. think so. If they've already used their free item interaction to pull out the arcade focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Their I'm pretty sure equipping a, a shield easy. is an action. No matter what. Is it, is it a full action? Yeah, well, because remember, Calvin, like we went through this in my campaign where like I I hit with my my Warhammer double handed and then I like can't equip my shield. Oh, in Saltmarsh, in Saltmarsh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I'm I'm like ninety eight percent sure that equipping a shield's a full action. Yeah, yeah. Shields take an action to don. Mm-hmm. Alright, All right. So part yeah. three. Rules as written, uh, slash rules as intended, does say equipping my spellcasting focus to my sh- weapon shield or to wear it as a bracelet grant any advantages. Um, is it completely allowed raw slash right, or is it ch- cheesy and a DM dependent? I'm pretty sure it's DM dependent. I think so. I, I allow it if it's like a bracelet or like a necklace that's your focus. Right. Um, and like, I think if you could find so if you could pay someone to like put a like, like maybe you have an orb as your arcade focus to have that like imbued into your shield sounds really cool, but it's going to be pricey because that's a delicate procedure. Mm hmm. No, yeah. Do, do the rules say anything about it, though? Uh, I think so. Because, like, there's... Spellcasting focuses are very weird. Sure. Mm-hmm. I know Paladin specifically says, like, you can... Doesn't Paladin specifically say you can use your shield as a focus or something? Pretty sh- I, I think, don't. If I, it has, like, the image of your god, I think so. 
Okay, okay. Ah, uh, I need to look this up. It's very like class specific of what you could do. Oh, it says a holy. Like, uh, it just says you can use the holy symbol as a spell cast. Okay, no, focus. yeah, just yeah. says holy symbol. Yeah, but if you click on holy symbol, one of the options is emblem. Uh, oh, and you can something for a cleric and paladin. A cleric or paladin yeah. keeps a holy symbol as a spellcasting focus. To use the symbol in this way, the caster must hold it in hand, wear it visibly, or bear it on a shield. Oh! So it's very dependent on, like, what type of caster you are. Because mm-hmm. if you look at wizards, uh, they have an arcade focus instead of a spellcast, a holy symbol. Okay, and so... Then, so you could just like paint a symbol onto your thing and then just use it. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Essentially, yeah. Okay, that's sick. What's the like, last one? Yeah, the last one. Four. Are spells with only verbal components able to be used with both hands full? Keep in mind this is all with no warcaster feet. Misty Step is the only one I have that's verbal only. These seem very rare. Uh, yeah, yeah. And if it's yeah. verbal only, yeah, I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. And um, that's all of them. I have no qualms about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they uh, end this off saying, "I hope these all make sense. I've looked into this before, and wasn't sure there was a universal agreed upon way of doing this. Not sure how DM dependent it is, and if this is even feasible without taking Warcaster. Thanks a ton. No, uh, this was good. This was good. Yeah, I, I just I can't do two. Yeah, yeah. I think Warcaster would definitely help this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should do it. So I would consider taking it anyway. <laughs> But I like Warcaster. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, for our next question, it's by you slash Chef Chefroulet or Chefroulet if you're French. How do I justify in universe a crab that refuses to die? Right. So short version: a normal ass crab got lucky with a double crabble or grappled by a crab on the PCs who flood the rules. Warlock shot it into the sky like Team Rocket, but it became the joke of the campaign. It has returned twice now and retreated before the party could kill it. What are some ways I could justify this furious, vengeful, otherwise normal giant crab that refuses to die before it kills the warlock, ideally without going the undead route? Perhaps something like the Kuotoa... Sorry if I butchered that. Belief power? Well, what's the Kuotoa belief power? Uh, Uotoa, also known as gogglers and menfish, are a debased, pristine race of war-blooded and amphibian creatures that dwelt in the Underdark. Sinister secrets lurked below the surface of their alien minds, for the Kuotoa were fanatics plagued by mental instability that saw things others couldn't and worshipped gods that didn't exist, at least until they believed hard enough. Okay, so basically they believed the god into existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, you could do that. Honestly, yeah. This could be a god in disguise. If you want to go... Or a demon that's been trapped in crab form. Yeah, or you can do like, start like, the, the mental game sort of thing. 
where it becomes like secret hydra but the opposite way where like they see it but it's not actually there but they fight it anyway like inverse inverse secret hydra that that'd be pretty cool becomes an illusion yeah it's never real to begin with yeah it's like it's like group group insanity group hallucination Oh, you could track it back to the rations and say that it gives them hallucinations. Ooh. Oh, big brain. You you can you can do so many things. Or you could just like throw it in just for fun. A bit of tomfoolery, you might say. <laughs> yeah. Giant crab. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I just love I, I just love the uh the warlock shot into the sky like team bucket. Yeah. That's just that's such a funny sentence right there. Okay. I guess we are moving on to the next one now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Andrew. me. That's me. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know how uh, orders work. Uh, posted by user slash GG ODT, all caps. Quote, quote unquote, that guy single handedly disrupts every campaign he's in, and I don't know what to do. Uh, RPG horror stories, you love to see it. So, this story begins when I started playing DD. The cast of players' names have been changed for the sake of anonymity. DM, as DM, Jaden, an old friend of mine, playing a human fighter named Arthur, Alex. I honestly don't remember what she played. Me, a half-wizard named Nihilus, and James, the problem player. I'm going to summarize this. I'm going to summarize this so that this is 20 paragraphs long. The first and only session of DM's homebrew campaign was chaotic. James immediately scoffed at my character idea saying it was bad and that I was bad at the game. Well, no shit. It's my first time playing. Also, other than me and Jaden, no one had character sheets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's cool. When we got the character sheet set up, we started. Also, everyone at the tables, including James, had good aligned characters. Alex's character was chaotic good, James was lawful good, Jaden's was neutral, and my character was chaotic good. We awaken in a tavern and we roll for initiative. The first thing that James does when it's his turn initiative is trying to steal from the bartender. Good? By lying to him. Lawful? <laughs> but it's my turn in initiative. I tell the bartender the truth and he stops beating some guy up. Later when we are in combat and after two unsuccessful attempts to blind a boss and one nat one, one, and one nat 20 on a deck save, I succeed on blinding the boss. And I use a message to ask Jaden to distract the boss so everyone can kill it. He proceeds to blackmail me, saying I wronged his character and that I was a traitor, and I don't deserve help. We beat the boss, and the session ends. Later, the DM calls me, saying that he's starting a new campaign. When that wait, what? Okay, already. When a new was campaign. That the first I, session. I was gonna say, wasn't that session one? <laughs> what the fuck? When next campaign or when next session arrives, DM makes me create James's character sheet on my phone because James forgot to bring a character sheet once again. The campaign starts, and it's a great campaign about us being arrested and thrown in jail on an island. Total drama island. And we 
We are then rescued by an NPC who tells us that the island's royalty is slowly turning into a tyranny, and we need to find a way to overthrow it. We find out that the royalty is actually fake and that the NPC is actually part of the true royal family. However, we need to seek out the NPC's brother, who is the oldest brother in the family, and actually next in line to the throne. We find a magic item store that's selling rings, each one costing the amount of gold we have, but there are only rings to split among three people. Alex wasn't there that campaign. Okay. Throughout the campaign, James is trying to disrupt it and slow the campaign down by asking questions based on things we already knew. I purchase a ring of mind shielding, giving me immunity to magic that allows my thoughts to be read. I even spent all of my own money on it because it went with my backstory. Jaden purchased the D&D equivalent of the One Ring from the Lord of the Rings. James immediately started saying he wanted my ring, even though he didn't spend a dime on it. I was also already attuned to it, so I couldn't give it to him. This goes on for a bit before the DM tells us to stop. OOC. What is OOC? Out of character. Out of character. He also tried to roll against my deception roll. I succeeded in for lying to an NPC. Wonderful. Later, I started DMing, and the party had a good time. When I gave them their starting gold, they began buying gear. Except for James. He went to a blacksmith and asked for a custom weapon, something I priced somewhere around 150 to 200 GP, depending on your specifications. He tried to get it for free, and I asked him to roll charisma, and he oh critical fails. I tell him to roll a DC 15 charisma save, and he fails. I describe how he gets kicked out the door. Alex, who was finally back, decided to go to that same blacksmith and ask for a mace. Nothing too specific, so it was priced at about... Excuse me. 20 gold. She pays on the backs. Blacksmith tells her about James's character. Alex says that she didn't like James's character either, as they had some sort of grudge against each other. On his turn, James describes how he tries to punch Alex's character. I have the NPC behind the counter take out a great sword and swing at James. He takes seven damage and tries to throw Alex's PC into some acidic goop nearby, something I had put in for more reasons. And he passes both checks. Alex's character almost dies, and I had the previously aforementioned NPC swing at James again. It kills him, and he unfortunately rolls a nat 20. He gets back up, and the session ends. I don't know what to do. Please comment some advice on this. I, as I have serious issues with saying no to people. Uh, you I should say no to fuck him. Fuck off. You should say no to him. Yeah. No to him. This guy sounds like an asshole. I think you described your problem in that last sentence. Well, as I go. have serious issues with saying no to people. Oops. Fix it. Also, I, now that like we finished the story, I'm pretty sure uh, when they said he's starting a new campaign, that like time had passed between the mm-hmm. two. Okay. I don't think it was like we did, we did session one of one campaign and then immediately started a new campaign. Just yeah. to clarify. That would be funny, though. It would be funny. Just a bit, just a bit. Unless maybe that first one was a one-shot, but I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I got nothing except uh, tell James to go away. <laughs> you sound, yeah, it, he just sounds like an asshole. I don't know did, did, how else to describe this. Don't, don't play with that guy. Yeah. Also, I mean, based on the fact that um, Alex's character said that they don't like James's character, I, I just infer that maybe... Alex also doesn't like James, but do ask the other players what they think. <laughs> um, but in the end, I would I would still say like tell yeah. him to be nicer, and if he doesn't become nicer, then kick him, kick him. 
So yeah, RPG horror stories. Very, very fun place to be, except it's not. All right. Our next question is from Replacement Dog. Question uh -oh, about what changing to your other one. What happened to the we other? We don't talk about. <laughs> okay, okay. Question about changing a player's subclass. I have a new player of the party, and he picked his class wizard, but he thinks he might want to change his subclass. Initially, he wanted to know if he could double up on schools of magic, but for obvious mechanical reasons, that can't be done. No double majors for you. No double majors. <laughs> no minors. No double majors. He wants to pivot towards Blade Singer because he's gotten more used to the rules and such. He feels that his character is less interesting than the others in the party. I don't happen to feel that way, but I see no reason to not accommodate this change. I told him he can switch subclasses, give it some training time in-game, and I would probably implement this change at the next level up. Is there anything I should know before doing this? Have you ever switched a player's subclass before? Are there any problems that could arrive from this? I guess my one concern would be from a story-telling perspective, why would he suddenly not be able to perform the previous school's abilities? Um, he's a, is that, I, he's a new player, so honestly I think yeah. it's fine just using the, the original character and then just switching the subclass, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, just for like in-universe purposes, I would say give it some time. Yeah. Um, but or, so yeah, with a new player uh, like this, I think it's okay to just be like, like talking to the party. I'm gonna do a little retcon. This guy has always been a blade singer, sure. uh, instead of whatever uh, school of magic he was. Uh, but when it comes to like uh, older players and stuff, people are more like used to the game. Uh, I like more story reasons to why a character would switch subclasses like uh spoilers for dimension 20 um fantasy high season two Whoa. but one of the characters uh is a champion subclass fighter but then he loses his will to fight which makes him lose his uh champion subclass and then he has to go like a couple episodes on this like emotional journey of finding himself before he gets uh, a new subclass it's been a while since okay. i watched it. i can't remember okay what he turned no, that's to. cool oh that is really cool actually mm -hmm. so just me personally i much prefer like story-wise why people switch mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I think, personally, I'd say switching subclasses is generally fine, as long as you have a good in-game reason for it. Mm -hmm. And not just because, oh, I realized I can exploit the rules more if I do this, can I switch? Like, if that's all it is, no. Like, there needs to be a valid in-game reason for it, I'd say. Um, but I'm not that much of a rule stickler that even if they were just wanting to play something else, I'd probably let them do it and we just come up with something um so yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's fine i'd say it's fine yeah something uh, i guess rule of cool if he thinks it's cool you do it <laughs> something i didn't notice uh before 
I just looked up the character on a Dimension 20 wiki. So he used to be a level 8 fighter that was a champion subclass. But then when he lost his will to fight, it'd be, yeah, like, switched subclasses. He also uh, dropped two levels of fighter and gained two levels of bard instead. Oh, wow. So now he's a level 6 fighter, level 3 bard with Battlemaster and College of Swords. I see. Hmm. Cool. So yeah, I say do oh. it. Okay. Uh, for our next question, we got posted by u slash chackle. Fun feats for Harangon Wizard. Hi everyone, I'm playing a Harangon Wizard Order of Scribes right now. I want to take a feat when we reach level 4. I know about Warcaster, Feytart, etc. Please give me fun feat ideas. I know about most of the official ones, so especially homebrew feats would be welcome. Uh, Order of Scribes Wizard. Those are fun. What, what do they do? Andrew, you played one of those, right? I have not played a wizard, no. I haven't I played any. I was talking to someone who did a scribes. Was it Alec? Alec. I think Alec said he was Alec. playing a scribes. Yes. Yeah. I've only played martial classes other than, except Bard, but their spells are you know, slightly different. No, not really. But no, I've only played martial classes, really. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, Haragod are those rabbit people who, uh, who have this ability called Rabbit Hop. As a bonus action, you can jump a number of feet equal to five times your proficiency bonus without provoking opportunity attacks. I think, is there a feat that like makes you good at jumping even more? Uh, I Feel bet there is. I would assume there is. I, I think athlete, know. right? Is it athlete? Is it athlete? I think so, if I remember correctly. Athlete, uh, you can make a running long jump or a running high jump after moving only five feet on foot rather than ten feet. Oh, I was thinking okay. of the spell that like tripled your. Oh. Job. I mean that 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 also exists if that's an that option. Also exists, but like he doesn't need any running speed. Yeah. I don't. I think that's the only jumping feat that's official. Yeah. There's mobile, but that's not jumping. It's dashing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What does Scribe Wizard even do? They get a special book, awakened spell book that they can use as a focus. Mm. I mean, that's it, right? Uh huh. I don't know. I've never played a wizard before. I've never had anyone in any party of mine ever play a wizard. I just realized that, yeah, no, no one's playing a wizard. No, we did. Or we, had shot. we had a guy who was a wizard oh, monk. Uh, oh. Remember? Oh, okay. No. It was uh, Timmy's character, I think. Really? Oh, he's oh, not well, a wizard. I mean, I he was, was just I a monk. A was no, a he was a multi-class. No, that was, that was after you leveled him up. No, I'm pretty sure he was, he was a, like... Two monk, one wizard before I leveled him up. No, he was a monk. He, he, 
uh, he was just a monk i'm pretty sure i like 95 percent sure i remember him doing wizard shit during the one shot okay i i will I was, be texting I, him right now <laughs> i don't know if he'll remember it's he has a played since then I'll remember because I don't have a life. I wasn't there for that, so. Okay. Um. Anyway, so jump, jump means means athlete. Boom. Mm -hmm. I think um, you could take Eldritch Adept, and then you learn Eldritch Invocations, and then you make your you make your Eldritch Blast broken. That. You know, that's also valid. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff, though. Okay. Um, I'll take a look at D&D Beyond for some homebrew feats if you want. Mm -hmm. Dude, there's one about jumping. Yeah. I'm sure there is. Yeah, there's a there's lot. Got, there's gotta be. <laughs> there's a double yeah, there's jump feat. Oh, this feature allows dope. you to act as if you cast the jump spell on yourself with an added bonus. As a bonus action, you could enhance your physical ability to jump, allowing you to double jump and change direction midair. This feature recharges on a long rest. None of these are good, by the way. Double jumping is a bit. <laughs> there is the kick flying jump kick by more underscore L. Martial art leaping kick, range of 10 feet. Uh, okay, he was indeed part strength. wizard. Yeah. Oh, that's how he had access to shield. Yeah. Oh, I was the DM, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, You could take spell sniper. Yeah, sure. There's a bunch of obvious, like, good ones for wizards. Yeah. Uh, I don't know any obscure, like, homebrew feats, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You guys okay. just want to move on? Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. I'm not good with the spell. I, I have yet to play spellcaster, so... You've never uh, played a spellcaster? Just bard. A bard. Just bard. Okay. I mean, a bard <laughs> is a full caster. <laughs> yes, but... It's also more... I feel like they're more head-empty than the other spellcasters. Okay. Anyways, our next question posted by user DishOrdinary. Technical question about flanking. So I'm currently in the middle of running Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and one of the players have boots that allow them to move around the terrain. They have slippers of spider climb. Player that has spider climbed up pillar and is 40 feet up, but directly behind the bugbear. On the floor... The same bugbear is fighting the other player. The player with a spider climb claims that because they're within five feet laterally on the grid, that means they are flanking. I completely think this is BS, because if I remember correctly, with flanking, you have to be adjacent, meaning within five feet of them. Also, if flanking works like that, then flying enemies could give people on the ground flanking without having to be within melee range. Here's how they were set up. There's a, pic there's a picture. It's literally a, a blue square, a red square, a purple square, and a black circle in a line, like literally horizontally in a line adjacent to each other. Red square is, it goes blue, red, purple, black, circle. Red square is the bugbear. Blue square is the player on the ground. Purple square is the player on the pillar. The black circle is a pillar. 
Did I misread the rules, or has D&D Combat always been like this? I don't care if D&D Combat says you can flank from high up. I say bullshit on that. Yeah, you have to be in melee range. I do not care what the rule said. Bullshit on that. You you need to be within five feet. Yeah, D and D isn't two D. It's not as two. Technically three D. You just can't see mm-hmm. it. It's the what is it called? The, the the setting of the mind or whatever. Well, no, and they're clearly the using. The, they're clearly. The u- they're also clearly using the third dimension as they as they climbed up. As they climbed up. They can't. They can't climb up a pillar and then ignore the fact that they're up that pillar now. Yeah. That's, that, like, that's, lo- that's so dumb. Yeah. It's kind of like that bullshit fight we had the other day. Um, with we, we, had a, we had a fight with my stepdad's party. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh. And there was a fairy cleric who was within melee range of my character and then decided to fly up 30 feet so I can't attack her. Uh, which to me sounds like she's out of fucking melee range, so I should get an op- attack of opportunity when she leaves, right? Yeah. Well, no, because she's still oh, within f- yeah. she's on the adjacent square. She's That's just 30 fucking feet works. up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, not, not the best was not the best fight. display of D&D veterancy. No. <laughs> sure was a display, uh, just not not a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Oh well, I mean, we we got the answer right. Like that's no, yeah, yes, that, that's not flanking. That is not that's flanking. Not flanking. Must <laughs> be close, close to flank. Yeah. All right. Our next question is from Raven Tora. I feel like I'm being pushed. Pun- they they wrote push, but I th- think they meant punished. For being lucky, and the game hasn't even started. Sorry, what? Uh, I'm going to say the title one more time because I definitely butchered that. I feel like I'm being punished for being lucky, and the game hasn't even started. That's so wild. What? Yep. So I'm a big fan of D&D. I've been playing for a few years now, and I've mainly been a DM. Well, finally, one of my friends decided that they wanted to DM and asked if I wanted to be a player. Naturally, I said yes. I wanted to play one of my favorite classes, which is Bard. I also decided to make them an Eladrin. It's the first time I've ever tried a fake creature. Well, after already drawing up my character, I started to roll my stats. Now, I like to play for fun and make sure that everyone is also having fun. So what I rolled, by stats, I got some really high rolls. Uh, her rolls were 16, 17, 18, 7. 15-14. I asked the DM if they wanted me to re-roll since we are starting at level 3 and seemed a little high to me. They said yes, and I re-rolled. These stats also ended up being a little high as well. Why do people make 15-14-13-15-18. I then asked them again if they wanted me to re-roll. They said no, that they were going to make some small tweaks to my stats, but when they are done, my new stats felt more like a big change than some small tweaks. The 9 and the 215 stayed, but they changed the 14 to 10, the 13 to 12, and the 18 to a 6? Oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? It's uh, a 12 Wait, point difference, actually. Yeah, after they did that, they went to bed, so I've been unable to talk to them about it yet, but to me, this seems a little unfair. 
especially since all of my party bombers have no single digit stats and have at least a 16 or 17. Now they now the way I would have to make my character is either this super frail and can't even and can't even as many hits as a wizard, or they're a really dumb bard who wouldn't even be able to come up with anything to say. Me and my party were all excited for this character, but now it feels off in a way I'm not sure if I want to play them anymore now. But I want to know what you all think. It's uh, super fucked up. That's stupid. That is really stupid. First yeah. off, I can kind of see the first roll being a little high with 16, 17, 18, 15, and 14. But that 7, like, is it big? That's pretty bad. The second one was entirely acceptable. 15, 14 is pretty, like, it's good, but it's not like you're getting two 18s. Yeah. You have an 18 no, and you have and a like, 9. That kind of balances each other out. Even then, like, I don't, I honestly don't understand when people make such a big deal of stats. Like, I don't, like, yes. They do mean quite a bit, but they're not so impactful that they're going to break the game if they are pretty high or yeah. ruin your character if they're a little low. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I honestly don't understand people who make such a huge deal out of it. Yeah, it does not matter that much. And also, it's like I feel like personally, it's pretty hard to like hard carry a party as a bard. So like, mm -hmm. even if he did roll well, it did, doesn't matter that much, you know. Exactly. Like, what's the what was the point? I don't think any of this was necessary. Just... If you okay. wanted to nerf them, don't nerf them from a fucking eighteen to a six. Yeah, maybe eighteen mm -hmm. to a sixteen. I can understand that. That's so bullshit. That is really dumb. That is obscenely dumb. Holy shit! Dude. SMH. I love this comment. Uh, the thousandth sun. Let's roll for stats, everyone. Oh, the stats are all fairly different? That won't do. Let's adjust the results so they're essentially the same as standard array or point by, or start mm -hmm. some drama over them. Oh, yeah. This it's is so, so bullshit. You, you should have I... just done point by, or standard array. Exactly. Why we don't I'm about do to say something controversial, or... and I'm glad I didn't. What were you going to say? Dude, it's controversial. I'm glad it's I did. It's our last episode, David. Come on. It's it'll maybe affect my job prospects in the future. So okay. <laughs> you'll tell me in private. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Mo moving on. This is I awful. I'm sorry for you, Raven Tora. All right. By you slash Loki underscore Mo. I always seem to feel bad after a session. I know this is pretty common among DMs, wishing you did something different or better or not at all. For context, I have always felt like a cursed DM. Never had a campaign go past three or four sessions from scheduling issues, problem players, etc. I just started again after a year or so break and finally thought this was the one, but after both sessions, I just felt empty, I guess. I think my biggest problem is biggest I don't is is that I is biggest I don't know what, if any, my strengths are as a DM, and I feel like I just don't do well at most things. My players always say, say they had fun, or most of the time they do. Sometimes they just say bye right away and leave straight away. I don't know, this is just <laughs> kind rough. of a rant. I love DMing and world building and playing with my friends, but I also feel just feel weird after each and every session. Yeah. Is it bad the first thing I thought after you read the title was 
didn't we have this question already? Like, is this a repeat? <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, anyway, that does suck, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's. I feel bad that they leave right away. Yeah, that I, that, that hurts. Yeah. After this episode, I'm gonna go bye and then get off. No, that's <laughs> a joke. That's a joke. But yeah, that like, really suck. After a session, we usually have like a little bit, maybe like five or ten minutes of just kind of like standing around and talking. Usually more, even. Yeah. Well, it depends on when rides get there. But oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that hurts. That, that hurts. hurts. There definitely needs to be like. I I want players to be able to tell d- their DMs, like what they should improve on because it's very hard for us to be able to know like how you guys felt about a session if you don't talk to us about feedback Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we don't need all of these yeah it was great it was really fun because that doesn't help us we need constructive criticism for people 100 Mm percent and also dms need to uh stop hitting themselves (laughs) When they get a bad when they get a bad uh, comment on anything, and just look that look at that as an opportunity instead. Yeah, hundred percent. I was at the the never having a campaign go past three or four sessions that just hurts. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. What are we at in mine? Four sessions. Yes, four sessions. Wait, wait. We had one Thanksgiving. Three. Um, we had, we had three, three over, th- two over winter break. Was it just two? Three. Just two. Uh, okay. We had first one on the road. You got to Logal. We had the second one where you. It was just role playing the entire time. Uh, we had the forest. One. We had the boss fight one. And then we had the latest. We had five. Five sessions. Okay, I figured. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how to count. So we've outlasted their campaigns. <laughs> by a bit, by a bit. Uh-huh. Hopefully it's not end soon. Yeah. Oh, not. Let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, but let's also get to level three. Please. I've got, I know when it's going to happen. It's going to be I a know. little bit, but it's going to happen before you leave <laughs> Fedonia. Okay. okay. That All was right. kind of like what I thought would be a good level up moment, especially because level three is such a big like milestone in the early on, uh, is when you're leaving Fedonia is when you get to level three. Right. Okay, that's fair. So it's just that's a major fair. moment in the story. That felt right to me. Level oh, 4 okay. felt weird as a way to leave. Alrighty. Yeah. That's alright. If things go well, it's two sessions. You have two sessions left as level 2. Okay. I want my Okay, next question. Bye. You <laughs> slash the underscore mighty underscore Kurgan. A question about a warlock build. Hey guys, I wanted to create a warlock with intelligence and wisdom being the lowest stats. In my story, the character made pact with her patron 
by her own stupidity, so I want to keep the stats story-wise. The problem is, will this, will this build be viable? Thank you. Even if it's not, roll with it. But, uh, that sounds super fun. But also, I don't, I thought Warlocks were like all charisma, fuck everything else already, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. But like, Wisdom is a pretty important stat, just like roleplay-wise, because that's tied to your perception and everything. Sure. Yeah, um, but you could be comic relief. You could be comic. You could, and with like being the stupid character, the comic relief warlock sounds cool. Hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. And and like you're not useless in a fight, also because you have decent charisma. So yeah. So like you're useful, but also stupid. Mm-hmm. So like so like in a fight you're useful, and then you're trying to sneak past some guards or something, and you just don't don't see the guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Shot Software has a good point of that there are going to be a lot of spells that you'll have trouble resisting because a lot of spells ask for wisdom saves. Some of them do intelligence saves. Um, so that's going to be fun to deal with. Oh, yell. You'll probably be fine. Yeah, uh, you'll be. It'll be funny. It'll be yeah. funny. Just Trust hope the me. DM isn't out to get you. Or it could be like a character development thing of where you gain street smarts and you uh, have to figure out a way, way to end your contract. Mm. That also sounds good. I think there's a lot of things you could do with this low intelligence, low wisdom character. That would be a lot of fun. I say go with it. Uh-huh. percent It's not like it's gonna be unviable either. Like it's still gonna, like you'll still do fine. Yeah. Like say, like yes, the saving some saving throws might be a little rough, but other than that, I think you're, it'll be fine. Yeah, just fest and con, right? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> make just, a just super. Put, just, just get a lot of constitution so that you can yeah. tank it all, anyways. <laughs> just make a super beefy, stupid warlock. Uh, Let's yeah. go. I won't disagree. That sounds pretty fun. Hey. Yeah. What our is next, next? Our next question is from Livia Luisa. Would it be unfair if the DM considered the role play instead of asking for a dice roll? For example, a PC has high enough charisma. It is actually making a good point in his role play. So the DM just accepts he convinced the NPC with its arguments instead of asking for a persuasion check. Would this be considered unfair? since the DM is personally evaluating the action instead of rolling dice, and also considering some players are just better at role-playing than others. I wouldn't say this was unfair. No, I would... Normally I would allow something like this, yes. Huh. I think that, la- that last point, though, does stick out to me, that some players are just better at role-playing than others. I, I, yeah. won't, ref- I won't refute that, but... The rest of it seems fine to me, though. See, the thing is, I I do want to reward good role playing. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but like, just giving it to them does feel unfair to players who aren't. So I would, I think I would like give the player who made the persuasion check, for example, like advantage on his role. Sure. That feels a little more balanced with bad role players. Yeah. 
Well, okay. I would just give them the option. Like, do you want to roll or do you want to role play? Uh-huh. Like, and then if he want, says role play, that's what he does. And then I say, okay, that passes. Or no, it doesn't pass. And if they say, I'm more comfortable with rolling, I'll just have them roll. Yeah. Uh, sure. So I think it's only unfair if the players don't want it. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess that's right. If, if the player, if the players have something to say against it, then yes, that would be a problem. But if they're fine with it, then there's nothing wrong with that. Then. Yeah, I mean that is a conversation to have with it because there's a sort of like reverse to that. If you say something dumb in your role play, then uh, as a DM, I might give you disadvantage on your persuasion. Mm-hmm. And if the party's cool with that, I think that would just be how I would do it from then on. You know? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's true. I, I think I think if you find a way to organically avoid roles, that you, that should just be rewarded. Yeah. Like, that's all. I don't, I, I see nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd say it's fine. I, I, yeah, uh, that that last point, just the some players are just better role playing. That that's that is sticking with me a bit, though. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, David. So for our next question, it is by you slash throwaway eight seven zero six seven. How do I tell my DM that he was wrong about a rule without seeming seeming argumentative? One of the other PCs went down and I healed him, which would pop him back up, but the DM said it just gave advantage on a death saving throw. I brought this up to the DM, but he said the rules say otherwise. I don't want to seem like a rules lawyer, but I feel like he should know. Also, does anyone know where in the PHB I might find the rules for this? Well, well, here's here's the real here here here's the thing. You you bring your laptop to D&D and then you go to you go to Google and you're like healing rules D&D 5E and then you turn the screen around and show your DM are those the actual healing rules though? I, I honestly don't know I just uh, assumed I am looking like at the book right now uh, in the player's handbook at page 197 is all about dropping to zero hit points sure uh, I don't know if the wording is exactly what you're looking for, but there's a section called stabilizing a creature. The best way to save a creature with zero hit points is to heal it. If healing is unavailable, the creature can at least be stabilized so it isn't killed by a failed aid saving throw. You could use your action to administer an unconscious creature and attempt to stabilize it, which requires a successful DC 10 wisdom medicine check. Uh, and a stable creature doesn't make death saves. That's not really what you're looking for, though. Let me... The 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 earlier wording of like the best option is to heal them, mm-hmm. like that that tells me that healing does pick them back up. All right, yeah. Earlier in one ninety seven is the section about healing. Uh, when a creature receives healing of any kind, hit points regained are added to its current hit points. Creatures hit points can exceed its hit point maximum, so any hit points regained in excess of the number are lost. Uh, a creature that has died can't regain hit points until magic, such as the revive spell, has restored it to life. But when you're at zero hit points, you're unconscious. So, yeah, 197. Show that to your DM and tell him he's wrong. Yeah. Very cool. You get rezzed. 
after you get Fortnite knocked, you go do 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 do, and then and then <laughs> you you heal them. And 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 in game, what's really happening is you're putting your hand on top of them, kneeling, and you count to ten in game, and then they're up, just like Fortnite. I know, yes. right? Like I can't believe D and D copied Fortnite. Dude, how could they? How could, how they? could they do this? What's our next question, Andrew? Our next question is posted by user uh underscore serial underscore chiller underscore. Reliable <laughs> talent question. New 5e player here. I built a soul knife rogue to join an, an existing level 13 campaign and wondered if reliable talent and by extension Psy Bolster Nag applies to act applies to attack rules since I'm proficient with my physical weapons, parentheses, dagger, shortbow, rapier, and psionic blades. Attack rules add your proficiency modifier, so to me, it should apply. We haven't played my first session yet, but I want to know if this is supposed to work going in. Yes. Yeah? I mean, you're the soul knife expert. I leave it up to you. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. We didn't get to 13th level. I don't remember if I... I don't remember if I even ever used this. What was... I don't think Let's see. Did. Reliable talent and psi bolstered knack. I don't know where it is. Where is it? Let's see. Soul blaze. Where the frick? Am I blind? Uh, reliable talent. Oh, reliable talent is a regular rogue ability. Uh, oh, okay. By 11th level, you have refined your chosen skills until they approach perfection. Whenever you make an ability check that lets you add your proficiency bonus, you could treat a d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10. That's only talking about ability checks. That does not apply to damage or oh. attack rolls. Oh, well. well, I don't think in. attack rolls is an ability check. No. Attack rolls don't count as ability checks. I'm trying to find side bluster neck, but I think I'm blind. Yeah. Uh... Sorry, what are you looking for, Andrew? Oh, there it is. Got it. Psy-Bolster Neck. When your non-psionic training fails you, your psionic power can help. If you fail an ability check using a skill or tool with, with which you have proficiency, you can roll one psionic, di- psionic energy die and add the number rolled to the check, potentially turning failure into success. You expend the die only if the roll succeeds. Just like Reliable Talent, this, only, this says specifically ability checks, so I guess in this case, no. Mm-hmm. I never u- I actually never used that skill when I was playing the Soul Knife, so I didn't know off the top of my head. <laughs> yes, after reading it, since it specifically says ability check, it does not work with your weapons. There is a level 9 uh, feature called Soul Blades, uh, which as an extension has this thing called Homing Strike that's basically allowing you to uh, do that for your attack rolls. It says if you make an attack roll with your psionic blades and miss the target, you could roll one psionic energy die and add the number rolled to the attack roll. If this causes the attack to hit, you expend the psionic energy die. Or psionic. Yep. So at level 9, you could add a die to your attack rolls. But uh, Reliable Talent does nothing for attack. And neither does Cybolstered Knight, but... Since homing strikes does, and you're apparently starting at level 13, you're all good to go, actually. Mm-hmm. So yes, it does work. 
just not with the ability you thought it was. Very cool. Yeah. Our next okay. question is from Panman6 underscore six. Can't remember a term for NPCs who are fans of the party. I've read somewhere the party can have fans who carry out menial tasks for them and upkeep their property, etc. Essentially, no religious worshippers, but I can't remember what they're called or what they could do. It isn't hirelings who are hired to go with the party, it's another term, and I just can't find it. But it appeared in Mythic Odyssey of Theros, but can't find it anywhere. Help, please. Sounds like the Knight Retainers. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> that I, I, I have, but, but no, I don't. But I, should. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, it just sounds like servants in general. Yeah. Uh, if you take the noble background, like any of them, well, if you take the noble knight or the noble uh, retainer backgrounds, uh, you get retainers and they just do your chores for you. Yeah. It's pretty sick. Um, you <laughs> can like give them backstories sick. and stuff too. They can't fight for you though, but they just like kind of help you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we use that as a plot tool in our campaign, we have. Uh, one of our characters uh, acting as the squire of David's character. Yeah. That he got from his retainer feet in the background. Uh huh. He's my mm -hmm. intern. <laughs> Unpaid. Unpaid. Intern. Lodging provided. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. That's so wild. All right. What is if... our last question? Our last question is by you slash ravenous rhino 300. Does storing the full HP with magic regrow limbs or does it take extra effort for that to happen? Well, I think that's a DM specific kind of thing, right? I feel like I, I guess, but I feel like it's specific on what do they mean by restoring the full HP and what type of like damage was done to the limbs. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, clearly if your hand's falling off, then when you go to bed, you get it back. <laughs> right, right. But like, do they just mean um, you cast? You were down two HP. You cast healing word on someone, and they go up to full. Does that magically regrow the a limb? So that's a DM so. thing. Okay, but what if you stitched the limb back on, then healed it? I think it needs like a certain level of uh, spell slot. You know. I think there's the regenerate spell. I think so. Um, what if we let many target severed body members are restored after two minutes? Do they? Do you need to have the uh, severed part? No, you don't. But if you do, you can hold it to the stump. Then the spell instantaneously causes the limb to knit to the stump. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a seventh level spell though. Yeah. See right. that that seems fair. Yeah, I think I, so. I don't think anything lower than that should be able to magically reheal a limb, especially if it's like an old wound. Uh huh. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Don't worry. If you just take if you, if you just go to bed for the night, it'll regrow. <laughs> hey. Feels like a super mediocre question to end on. I had, I had huh? just thought of an idea for a, a segment. I was what wondering was if we could do it on this okay. one. 
Sure. Uh, you see those TikTok videos go around of draft picks? Uh, I do not oh, pay like, attention like, to TikTok. Like draft a party? Uh, I wasn't going to go with party. I was um, do a draft of our top five uh, skills. Five skills? Yeah. Uh, like proficiencies? Yeah. Okay. I got so mine. So we each go around in an order. We do It goes one by one. Okay. Well, I guess Andrew can start. Yeah. What skills would I have in my... What priority skills? Let me think. Personally? Um, oh, God. Uh, person, I almost dropped my phone. <laughs> uh, personally, my, my priority skill is stealth. That's just yeah. me. So that, that my personal choice is stealth. I don't think it's actually the best one, but it, I have to stick by it because it's my personal favorite. <laughs> okay. And then, how long well, was wait, it? Wait, wait, wait. So, you do your top pick. Okay. Then uh, we go in good order of questions that I would do my top pick. Do we do David like does his top to pick. Or like best huh? to worst? Like, um... Most of the ones I've seen have their like their number one pick, their best, and they go to the their worst. Okay. All right. So, so who's next? You? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty basic, but my number one pick is perception. Well, yeah, and, that was gonna be mine too. Yeah, that's valid. No, that's I mean, yeah. it's valid. useful for any kind of campaign. It's the go-to uh, yeah. one that I do for everything. Yeah. You don't want to get jumped. That's the main you don't thing. Don't want to get jumped. And also, yeah, you, you want to find the you, treasure. Yeah, you get. If and you want to. Yeah. You want to avoid those uh, sneaky little traps. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you get surprise attacked, that that's a that that's gonna ruin the whole encounter for you. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. What's your number two, Andrew? No, David, you have to do one. Oh, I was gonna say perception. Well, you can't use it anymore. You have to. Everyone that's oh, been really? said is eliminated. Oh, oh, really? That's how that works. Yeah, that's how it oh, works. Oh, okay. Do we have? Is there fifteen? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, then my mine is gonna be persuasion. Okay. Because that's okay. that's pretty important. Any role play, you're gonna need persuasion. Like any role play at all. So nice to have persuasion. Honestly, I did not even think about persuasion in my top five. <laughs> it's well because like. If you want to convince someone to help you, if you want to uh-huh. convince someone to stop fighting you, if you want to cheapen some prices, if you want to, you know, like fight over an item, like mm-hmm. persuasion's very nice. Yeah, remember all the bartering I, I, like, I did in your campaign, Calvin? Yeah, I get the importance of persuasion. I just don't generally build persuasive or even like charismatic characters. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Probably because you're forever DM. I am forever DM, but all of my, like, <laughs> the characters I have made has been an artificer, a cleric, uh, a rogue, and, like, a kind of a shy rogue, too. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, my second pick would probably be... I'm going to go with Investigation. Well, that was my number two. Yeah. Oh. It, 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 it has similar... It's not exactly the same as Perception, but it has similar uses. 
I feel so, like investigation gets overlooked by perception too often. True, true. This is why I was hoping you would pick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's it's not exactly the same, but it is similar to, per- to perception that you can do mm-hmm. close to the same things with them. So, anyways, Calvin. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Arcana. Next. That was what I was. I was debating between investigation and Arcana, actually. <laughs> Huh. I mean, interesting. I I love the more like investigative characters. So, uh, learning stuff like or finding clues like investigation is really nice. But then any like sort of magic investigation, you need that arcana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, for sure. Interesting. Oh, you guys are like play way different characters than me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess. For my next one, I was actually gonna go athletics. Yeah, okay. yeah, cause, cause like it's the only strength proficiency, and it's just it really good. Is. Like it's just good. Like you're I trying to throw someone athletics or something, right? You're trying to lift something heavy. You're trying to shove open a door. You're trying to trying mm-hmm. to hold a bridge from falling. You're trying to I don't know, like, uh. Spider-Man, a moving train, like athletics. Yeah. No. I mean, I think it's the only strength one because athletics really encompasses it all of strength. I mean, what else would, what other skills would you have? Andrew? Exactly. Exactly. That's fair. That I mean, there's fair. there's no constitution skills at all. Uh-huh. That's true. Yeah. So athletics is mine. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. Um. Let's see my third pick. I would probably have to go with performance because okay. I love I love me a good I love me a good bard and performing do. and doing a, singing, mm-hmm. dancing, doing tricks, things like that. That's yeah. me. And those are my characters right there. So performance definitely performance how wholesome i've still i've actually no i have used my instrument as a bard, right <laughs> for a second yeah. i forgot if i've ever used my instruments but then i realized oh wait no i played a bard that was generic music yep <laughs> yep anyway i Go ahead, Kobe. yeah i think my number three history history interesting that's not I, bad this is like connected to my earlier stuff that i I like learning the lore about a world, mm-hmm. so I love characters who are good at finding lore. Okay. And having that good history is an easy uh, tool for a DM to just do a lore dump on me. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's well. Interesting. Okay. Um, I guess for mine, then, I'll take animal handling. Interesting. I mm. okay. So there's in most of my campaigns, ride a horse, right? Or uh-huh. you drive a car cart, right? Or yeah. you try and try and fight a wolf or something, right? And so, honestly, animal handling's pretty useful sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I've played knights. I've, I'm playing a druid right now. It's pretty fun. 
I always take yeah, animal started, handling for some reason. You started playing in a new campaign. How was it? It's pretty fun. Uh, I I used enlarge on a turtle, and he grew to nice. be. He grew so it it it's your eight times your weight. Uh-huh. So then he was sixteen hundred kilograms, and then Holy we shit. we we crushed a giant spider by jumping on him. Nice, nice. Yeah. How did the turtle jump? Uh, it was like. It was like rolling down a hill, but like jumping off a hill sort of uh, thing. And he could okay. go into his shell, right? So he's just like <laughs> a massive bowling ball. Nice. Okay. Andrew, what's your fourth pick? My fourth pick is definite. Well, actually, not definitely. I'm looking at two. I'm actually looking at three now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's helpful. Uh, that's okay, I'll knock that one out. So we'll go with... I'm going to go with Insight uh, to, yeah. uh, to help me deduce if someone's trying to swindle me or play me for a fool. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. I, I am um, a fan of Insight. Mm-hmm. I okay. am going to go with Intimidation. Okay. Mm. Yeah. It's because you're a scary I, guy, Calvin. I'm a scary guy. My favorite superhero is like Batman. So mm. <laughs> it's, right. I'm realizing all of my things are kind of just Batman. Being uh. very investigative. And then intimidating the crap out of people to get information. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like in real life. You're a scary nerd. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. I think my next one's going to be medicine. Ah, uh, that's good. I, think I was it's thinking about important. medicine. Yeah. I mean, it's surprisingly not that useful <laughs> considering how many healing spells there are. Yeah. But but what happens when your wizards and clerics get knocked? Then, then yeah. you use a medicine check. And or that's when it really matters. Spell slots. Yeah, but that usually... It's never happened to me before. Really? Yeah. I feel like we've always had enough short rests or long rests to get spell slots. Sure. And I think uh, as a group, we've been fairly uh, conscious about saving a spell slot or two for when someone stupid and dies. Yeah. As in me. It happens a lot. Yeah. I've, I think I've had the most knocks in our campaign so far. Honestly, th- yeah. I think I also um, have the highest kill count, though. So I'm. Uh, that's I'm, true. I'm, I'm batting even. I'm batting even. It's not even like I'm trying to kill you, <laughs> but no, you've I just, just always been easy. the most logical person to attack. Yeah, like I, you're I, you're a very front forward person. If I'm if I, if I have two rapiers, one in each hand, I'm gonna use them. Uh huh. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Remember, and initiative is like the only time I ever roll well, so I'm always like one of the first people to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple sessions ago was really fun when I just like knocked you around. Like you literally play, ball. you literally play tennis with me. No, and then, and then I dropped my swords because I was knocked right, and I got uh-huh. knocked even further away. And then I'm like, all right, fuck this, and I pull out another rapier and a dagger. <laughs> <laughs> Too many fucking weapons, man. <laughs> And I wasn't encumbered. I still somehow wasn't encumbered. I just... It's my, my strength stat is still decent enough that I'm not... 
that I can still carry a bunch of shit. But yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, that, that was still so funny to me. <laughs> I pull out the two weapons, and everyone's like, "You have more weapons on you." That's so. Yeah. <laughs> He's. Oh, I love that so much. He's actually just a meme of someone pulling open a suit to like have an entire weapons rack. Except it's except it's lifting my 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 maid my maid skirt, skirt. <laughs> my yeah. battle uh, skirt. Yeah. Just lifting my battle skirt and pulling out a sword or something. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Anyways, uh, David, you're next. Uh, I just picked medicine. Oh right, right. Yeah, right. now we're under our fifth. Now I forgot. I forgot how the how it changed. Well, neither of you picked the my the two I was racking my head over a second ago, so that doesn't help. Um, let's see, I probably have to go with survival. Oh, okay. Because when you're out there living in the wild, like unless you unless you have the perfect. Unless you have a bedroll, yeah, <laughs> no, no. Just in, general, just in general, like, like if you're out there living on the land, you're gonna need to do those. You need a good sense of how to live on the land and shit like that. If you how have to, how to not get lost, and if you have the survival, you can make your own bedroll. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. I, for my fifth one, I'm gonna have to go with sleight of hand. Sleight of hand, interesting. Mm. I expected this one to be taken sooner, actually, because it's such a important thing. Uh, if you're like pick, pickpocketing someone, you're playing a game, or you're playing a game of poker, try to pocket some cards. But then if you're just trying to like pick a lock, you need some good sleight of hand, or mm-hmm. you need some good athletics. <laughs> that's, just I don't think that's breaking it. a lock, David. <laughs> it's not picking it, but you're sure getting through the door. You're still getting through the door. Yeah. <laughs> see, I, see, this is the difference in characters we play. <laughs> yeah, Calvin and I taking yeah, a more and, subtle and, approach. And David with, goes and head. I'm taking team. acrobatics. Acrobatics, because yeah. that's cause, what I, w- I was thinking. Acrobatics too. Yeah, because because like, you could break through the door, or you can jump over the gate. Uh-huh. Yep. Or yep. or jump through the window. <laughs> Combined acrobatics and athletics, breaking through the window. Boom. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's. I think it's really funny when people fail their acrobatics checks and just fall on their face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's especially it's, if they have a high acrobatics. Yeah, but also if you have low acrobatics and you're asked to like, oh no, jump across a canyon or something, that would be a uh, bad if you fail. So yeah, I think it's pretty important. All righty. That was five, right? That is that, that is five. Yeah, Which ones did. did we not do? We didn't do deception. We didn't uh, do nature. And religion. We didn't do religion. Yep. Uh, I'd say out of those three, deception is the most important one. Do, like, we, do we want to do six ones just because there's three more left? Oh, yeah. Well, what? I'm going to get shafted with religion. If there's exactly <laughs> th- You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that. Okay. Anyways, I'm going with deception. (laughs) (laughs) It's between nature and religion, and to be honest, I've played more religious characters, so I think I'm going to go with religion. Oh, you did not get shafted with religion. He did did pick cleric. 
And I, I am playing a druid, so I guess it works out. Yeah. There you go. All right. You did you did not quote get shafted with religion this time. <laughs> with religion. I yeah. proved you wrong, David. Look Jesus sure did though. Oh, I'm always right. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Anyway. Alright. Well Is that like the motto for DMs? I am always right. No, that's my family motto. Oh, okay, oh, fair enough. That's that's worrying when you have four people in your family. Guys, what's my last name? Uh, I forgot. Doofenshmirtz. Wait, you actually Doofenshmirtz forgot? Evil Incorporated. You actually forget. That's kind of funny, actually. Oh, wait, is it time to dox Calvin now? Guys, it's in the podcast description. Yeah. Yeah, it's but not, not your address. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyways, everyone, that's been all for Goblins and Guidance. Thank you for joining us on our 16 episode journey. But this is the end. And remember, the real goblins were the friends we made along the way. Keep an eye out for season two. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.